So, I want to discuss a elementary question on this parasha. If I were to ask you, what is the reason that we finally left Egypt? That 210 years that we were in that exile, suffering under the oppression of the Egyptians, and then we left, God took us out. What is the reason that we left? What's the reason? So I'm having a bit of a difficulty with this because I look at the Pesukim and the Pesukim seem to give me one impression. And then I look at the words of the Hachamim and the Midrashim in the words of Hazal and I seem to be getting a different impression. What is the impression that the Pesukim seem to give? The Pesukim seem to give the impression that the reason that we left Mitzrayim is because God answered our prayers. We were suffering. Like the Pasuk says, The people were sighing. They were in pain. They were screaming from pain. And therefore, The prayers went up to God. Hashem heard their prayers. Hashem remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And therefore Hashem says, you know what, it's time to take him out. So when you look at the Pesukim, the impression you get is that the reason that we left Mitzrayim is because the people were suffering. They screamed out to Bore Olam. Hashem answered the Tefillah and Hashem says, you know what, I got to get him out. It's too much. That's the impression I get from the Pesukim. But then, I look at the Midrashim. I look at what the rabbis have to say, you know, the behind-the-scenes type of material. And they seem to give me a different impression. They give me the impression that the 210-year exile came to an end. That's it. It expired. There was a number. Hashem told Abraham that your children are going to be suffering for 400 years. Exactly how that 400 years calculated, the rabbis tell us. And whatever it is, it came to an end in this week's parasha. They were there suffering for 210 years. That's part of the 400. And the time came. And Hashem says, okay, that's it. Rush him out. That's why the rabbis even tell us that they rushed out of Mitzrayim. Because that's it. They didn't deserve to be there not a second longer. The time expired. For this exile. So here's my question. Is the reason that we left Egypt because the time expired? And therefore, it was just meant for us to finally leave? Or is the reason because we prayed? And Hashem answered our prayers. Meaning, if the time came to leave, why does the Pasuk make such a put such an emphasis on God answering our prayers. They screamed to Hashem. Hashem answered our tefillot. And Hashem said, it's time to take him out. Forget about the prayers now. Nothing to do with the prayers. The time came. It's 210 years are over. It's time to take him out. So is it that the time came? Or is it because of the prayers? This is what I want to try to understand here tonight. So in order to really reconcile, I think we are forced to say, that what? That's got to be that it's working together. It's got to be that both reasons were needed. The time came, 
But even so, we needed prayers. And this is what I want to speak about tonight. I want to speak about what exactly is prayer all about. I want to first tell you over a fundamental Ramhal. Ramhal, as you all know, is the author of the Misilat Sharim, a most fundamental, you know, writing that, that, that he put together that every single Jew really should learn that book, that Sefer Misilat Sharim. But he has another Sefer called Derech Hashem. In Derech Hashem, he tells us what prayer is all about. So I have it quoted over here. I'm going to read to you in Hebrew. And then I'm going to translate that paragraph. Listen to this very, very fundamental, fundamental concept from the Ramhal. Perhaps you, you heard of this in the past. And if not, really it is my, my honor to introduce to you this concept. It's something that everyone needs to know. You need to know this for life. Every Jew needs to know this. Because prayer is a significant part of every Jew. And every Jew needs to know the fundamental concept of prayer. Listen to what he says. He says, The matter of prayer, is surely from the arrangements that were set up by the supreme wisdom of God. What's the reason? Since God's creations receive bounty from God, there is a need for them to arouse themselves towards Him Seek his presence and make a request from him. In accordance to their arousal towards him. So will be the bounty that comes down to them. But if they do not arouse themselves to make this request from God. It does not come down to them. You understand what we're saying now here? The Gemara is telling us here, not the Gemara, the Ramhal, excuse me, the Ramhal is telling us that Hashem wants to give us things. Hashem has a bounty, bountiful of, of shefa, of blessings, to give a person that he needs on a daily basis. You will not get it Unless you ask for it. That's the rule. If you don't arouse yourself to make that request from God and to pray and to ask for it, it does not come down. So it looks like, looks like prayer is so important that without it, even if you're supposed to be getting something, it's supposed to be coming to you, you won't get it. Unless you ask for it. Now there's a proof to this. Is that Gemara Midare? Should be the last one on the left. Yeah, that one. Listen to this Gemara Masechet Nida. The Gemara Nida and Daftet Zayin Amud Bet says 
The Gemara says, There is a Malach Hamemune Al Haherayon. There was an angel that God appoints to when a woman conceives, when she becomes pregnant. He says, This angel, Notel Tapa, takes that drop. And he puts it in front of God. And says, This drop that's going to be born from this, this person. What's going to be with this drop? Gibor or Halash? Is he going to be healthy and strong? Is he going to be weak and more sick? That's one question. Hacham Otepesh. Is this job going to be a person who's going to be a wise person? Or a Tepesh? Not, not, not from the wisest people. Ashir Ani. Is he going to be wealthy or is he going to be poor? And Bore Alam answers... And decides all those questions before that drop is conceived and before that drop is even born, before that child is born. Which means that already before a person is born, it already had been predestined and decided if he's going to be wealthy or not, if he's going to be smart or not, if he's going to be strong, healthy or not. The Gemara tells us, however, don't make a mistake. Righteous or not, that's not predecided. That's you have to make that decision. Like the Gemara tells us, that put in your hands. You have to make that decision. You want to be religious or you want to be irreligious. You want to follow the Torah mitzvot, or you know that's in your hands. But these three things already have been decided. So I want to ask you a question now. Now that we know that these three things have been decided, so does a person have to pray for them? Does a person have to pray for wisdom, to be smart? Does a person have to pray for wealth? Or that's it? It's already um, decided. What do you have to pray for it for? It's already, it's stamped. It's stamped. Your wealth is coming to you. Your wisdom is coming to you. And your health is coming to you. It's already predestined. You don't have to pray for it. That's what I would think. But then you look at the Gemara towards the end of Masechet Midah. The Gemara says on the Fa'in Amud Bet. Says the Gemara, Ma Adam What should a person do in order to become wise? Says the Gemara after back and forth. The Gemara says, Ella Yebakshu Rahamim Mimisha he should request wisdom from the one who owns wisdom. Meaning, he has to pray for it. Says the Gemara. Gemara continues. What should a person do to become wealthy? Back and forth, the Gemara says, Request it from the one who owns wealth. And the Gemara says, What should a person do in order to marry to have children, boys, boys as children? Now, by the way, children also, the Gemara tells us, 
בנה חיה ומזונה במזלת על ימותה. The Gemara says, a person having children, and what kind of children he's going to have, is already pre-decided. Mezone, his livelihood, wealthy or not, as we just said, is pre-decided. And Haye, his lifespan, how long is he going to live for, is already pre-decided. And comes the Gemara and says, what should a person do to merit having boys as ch- children that are boys? So Gemara back and forth. Pray to God who owns children, who gives children. What do you see from this Gemara? I'm seeing from this Gemara that even though there are things that already, they have been predecided for you already. They're waiting to come to you. They're in that, they're in this storage room, waiting for you to open the door and come to it. But you can't get to it. Unless, Unless you ask for it. So the Ramhal here is teaching us a very, very fundamental concept. That in order for a person to get anything in this world, you need prayer, you need tefillah. And Hashem did this for a reason. Because Hashem wants us to connect with Him. Hashem wanted that His... his he, if Hashem would have created His creations, the humans, with just being on their own, they'll never connect to God. They'll forget Borei Olam. Borei Olam wanted it to be in a way where you constantly need me. So you need something, you ask for it. You remember me. You know, it's like a, a parent who sends off his child off to, to, I don't know where, to Israel to learn. The best thing is, don't just give your child an unlimited credit card. You know why? Because you'll probably never hear from him. I'll never hear from him. That's it. He has unlimited credit card. What you got to do is, you got to give him some, uh, I don't know, some, some cash or give him a credit card limit, $500 limit. Now, when the limit is over, now he'll remember to call daddy and mommy. Hi, daddy. Hi, mommy. How are you? I miss you. By the way, you know, my credit card is finished. This is what Buddha Allah wants. What does he want to do? Hey, unlimited. Hey, God. Then we'll never talk to him. Hashem says, I want it to be. When you need something, you call me. I want to hear you. I want you to connect to me. I love you. I want to constantly hear your voice. So Buddha Ulam set it up that this is the way prayer is going to work. You need something, you got to ask for it. But now we're learning something important. We're learning that if we ever need something, we need to pray for it. But now I want to take it to the next level. It's something that also the Ramhal talks about. And the Hazonish as well makes this point very, very also, very strongly. You see, many people are under the impression, and this is a misconception. Most people are under the impression that in order to get something in this world, you got to do ishtadlut. What does ishtadlut mean? Put in your effort. Right? You got to put in the effort. You ever heard of that word? We all know. You got to do your hishtadlut. Every people always yelling, you got to do your hishtadlut. You want to get married? You got to put in effort. You got to call shatchanim. You got to call, what's it called? The people, matchmakers. You got to inquire. You want a job? You got to call. You got to ask. You got to go. You got to go to interviews and see what you can do. You got to put in effort. You got to do your hishtadlut. See, so what's the, what's the misconception? What's the mistake? The mistake is that most people think 
that hishtadlut is the most important thing to get what you need. And if that doesn't work, so they go to plan B. Now they stop praying. That's why most people work. They do the efforts, they're looking for a job. So what is he doing? What is he doing? Second, second that he knows he needs a job, what does he do? Let's say he graduates, he's done, he's done with college, he's done whatever, now he wants to look for a job. The first thing he does is, okay, he discusses with people, you know, certain opportunities that maybe that can be potential for him to do. But he's, the first thing that he does is, he puts in effort. He does his ishtadlut. And then when he sees a month, two months, three months, no one is answering him, no one cares for him, now all of a sudden his heart breaks, and now he feels a little bit um, uh, like he needs God. So now he opens up the Tehillim and he starts to pray. So by most people, hishtadlut, putting effort is the most important thing, and that's plan A. And prayer is when you get stuck and your hishtadlut is not working so well, so you got to go to pray. That's the system by most people. The Ramhal tells us, this is so untrue. That's not the way. Listen to what he says. He says, the way prayer works is, A man first must come close, stand in front of God, and request all his needs from him, and cast his burden upon God. This is central and essential beginning for all his efforts. Which means prayer has to be first. The exact opposite of what most people think. That he is later, after prayer, then he could pull himself into the other ways of effort. Which are the ways of human effort. You know what he's telling us? His song says it works the exact opposite. It's not that first you do hishtadlut and then prayer is plan B. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he's not even telling us that they're equal. He's not even telling us that hishtadlut and prayer are equal. No, it's prayer is primary. That's the first thing. Hishtadlut, okay, you got to do that also. Now I want to explain this. I want to explain to you how this works. You see, you need to have both. The Ramhal is not telling us over here that you could just suffice with prayer. Just sit in your house, pray to God, and Hashem is going to send you a check from the chimney. It's not going to work that way. What the Ramhal is telling us is like this. You know, I like to compare this to baking bread. When you bake bread, what are the two ingredients that you need to bake bread? You need to have flour and water. Right, leave now the salt and all the other stuff. That's just to make it taste good. But in order to actually create the bread, you need to have flour and water. 
Without the flour, you will not have bread. And without the water, you will not have bread either. They are both essential to creating bread. Now, but I want to ask you a question. Which is the primary ingredient? Is anyone here going to tell me that the primary ingredient is the water? No. The primary ingredient is the flour. So it's possible, this is what I'm trying to bring out of here, that it's possible to have a formula where both ingredients are needed and one will not bring out the item without the other one helping it, but at the same time, one can be primary, one can be secondary. Is that a correct fact? Yes. That's what it's where it is by bread. The flour is primary, and the water, what does the water do? The water brings about that potential in the flour to make bread. That's what the water, the water assists the flour. It aids, it helps the flour bring out its potential in turning into bread. This is the same idea when it comes to hishtadlut and prayer. When a person wants to get something, he needs to have both. You need to have flour and you need to have water. You need to have prayer and you need to have hishtadlut. You can't go without both. But... They're not equal. The primary ingredient is the flour. And that is prayer. That's the primary ingredient. The hishtadlut, that's just to assist the prayer into bringing it into this world. Because God doesn't want it that people are just praying and they're not really putting their effort. Hashem wants to conceal. Imagine you have a person that just sits and pray, prays, and things are just coming down from heaven to him. So you no longer have a, your, your behira, your free will, is no longer active. Because now you see God clearly. God wants to conceal his ways. So Hashem says, listen, I need you to put in effort. Don't just pray. Pray, but I need you to go look for a job so that I can send that check through that pipe. I need to send it through some sort of opening. I'm not going to send you a check from, from heaven. Now you have no more free will anymore. The world lost its free will. They see God clearly. Like it was in the desert. When they had the man coming down from heaven. It was clear. It was, everyone knew. Parnassah from God. Finished. Hashem doesn't want to do that. Hashem doesn't want our free will to slip away. Because then everything we do in serving God is not deserving of reward anymore. So you understand how it works? So really prayer is the primary ingredient. Hishtadlut is there to help out the prayer to come into fruition. Because we want that the result of prayer be concealed so that it doesn't look in the open miraculously. We don't want it. We don't want Hashem likes to conceal, not to make miracles in the open. So just a way to aid, to help the tefillah come to fruition. And this is what it's about. Which means, today we're learning something very, very important. Most people don't know what I'm telling you now. Even though it's clear Ramhan, but most people don't know this. Most people, the way their system is, is that you gotta put your efforts. And when things are going sour, things are not going the way you like it, you're having a hard time finding a shidduch, you're having a hard time finding a job, 
having whatever it may be, all right, let's go to prayer, let's go to God. God is like, more like, uh, you know, when we're stuck. That's not the way it is. We're working, we're working in, 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 the, in the wrong fashion. That's the wrong system. You got to start with going to Borei Olam first. You graduated, you're looking for a job, the next day you sit and you open up the Tehillim. The next day you start praying to Borei Olam, thank you Hashem, thank you for allowing me to go through my school years, through being healthy, through succeeding. Now Borei Olam, it's time for me to move on to the next phase in life. I need to find a job. Please, Hashem, help me find it. Help it, me be, help it be a good job for me. I want it to be something healthy, something good, something that's healthy for my spirituality and from physically healthy. I want it to be great. I want it to be good. I want to be happy in my job. I want it to be easy. Okay, you pray for it. Now the next thing you do is you go, you do your hishtadlut. But you prayed. You moved, you, you did, you, that's the right system. That's the right formula. So let's go back to our question that we asked before. We asked, we have a fundamental question. Very, very simple and elementary question that we started off with. Why is it that we left Mitzrayim? Is it because time was simply up? Or because we prayed? What's the answer? It's both. It's not always that. The answer is both. Yeah, because we prayed... And because, just because the time came, maybe we wouldn't have been able to get out because you need prayer. Just because the time came for you to get something. The time came for you to get married. But you're not praying for it. You're just dating. You're doing your hishtadlut, which is great. You got to do that. You need to do that. But did you ask God one time, Tiflah, God, please help me find the shiduch? Did you talk to God about it yet? You got to do both. And tonight we learned an extra Hiddush. That not only you got to do both. And not only both are important. But actually prayer is the primary ingredient. And Hishtadlut is secondary. You need both. You need the flower and you need the water. But prayer is the flower. And Hishtadlut is the water. I want to tell you an unbelievable story. This story took place <clears throat> in the late 70s in Israel. Okay, listen to the story. At the time, in the late 1970s in Israel, the government had been talking about allowing legally to permit abortion. And there was a lot of talk about it. And it became a very controversial topic. You could imagine between the religious and the irreligious. The religious were against it, obviously. It's against our Torah. We don't allow abortion. Abortion is murder. Simply, nothing to talk about. And the the non-religious wanted to permit it. The rabbis, the leading rabbis at the time, didn't know what to do with this now. They said, we got to do something. So they decided that they wanted to send a delegation of rabbis to the minister of justice of Israel at the time, who had an important say into the matter, to passing the law or not. 
And they didn't know who to send. They got a message a few days later. These rabbis got a message that there's a rabbi that's willing to go. His name is Rabbi Raphael Levin. Rabbi Raphael Levin is the son of the great Sadiq of Yerushalayim, whose name was Rav Arya Levin, which maybe I'm sure many of you heard of. He was a tremendous Sadiq. He used to be throughout the entire Israel. He loved everybody. He helped everybody. Religious, not religious. It didn't matter to him. He went to the prisons. He would talk to the people. He would talk to people in jail. He tried to bring them close to religion. He was known throughout Israel. So his son, Rabbi Rafael Levin, sends a message to the rabbis that I'm willing to go. They, sell, they, they hear about his fact that he wants to go. They give him a call. They said, Rabbi, we set up for you an appointment with the Minister of Justice, the Sar HaMishpat. His name is Mr. Shemuel Tamir. Mr. Shemuel Tamir is going to be the one you're going to go meet with. I said, okay, no problem. Two days before the upcoming appointment, Rabbi Levin, Rabbi Rafael Levin, gets a list of the entire de- delegation that was going to accompany him. He has their names and their phone numbers. He calls every single one. And he tells them, listen, in two days from now, we have a very important meeting. And I want you all to pray very, very hard. I want tefillot, I want tehillim, I want selichot, I want ta'aniyot, I want you to fast, I want you to break the heavens. We need to really pray very hard to succeed. They said, Rabbi, 100% is very, very important. And they prayed very strongly for the next two days. The time for the appointment came. The rabbi, Rabbi Levin, and the entire delegation, they go to the office of the minister of justice, Shemuel Tamir. They walk in, and Shemuel Tamir greets Rabbi Levin. He says, hi Rabbi, how are you? What's your name? He says, my name is Raphael Levin. He says, Levin? He says, is your father Rav Arya Levin? He says, yes. He says, that was my father. Rav Arya Levin was my father. He says, your father was Rav Arya Levin? Ali Levin was a big tzaddik. We all knew him. We all loved him. Like I told you before, everybody knew him. Whether you're religious or not, he made an impact on everybody. He says, we loved him. So Rabbi Rafael Levin tells the minister of justice, he says, one second, you knew my father? He says, of course. Who doesn't? He says, is it okay if I tell you a story about my father? He says, please do. Please tell us a story about your father. He says, listen to this story. He says, more than 50 years ago, there was a couple that came to my father's house. This couple had an argument. They had just gotten married, and she became pregnant. And the husband, due to his constant traveling for his studies, wanted his wife to abort. Because he felt that this pregnancy now is going to interfere with him traveling and studying in different universities that he was studying at the time. So they came to my father. The wife didn't want to abort. She felt terrible about it. And the husband was trying to convince her to abort. So Rabbi Levin tells the minister of justice, he says, you know, my father sat for an hour with this guy, with this person, trying to convince him 
not to go forward with the abortion. Abortion is, is, is asur, it's prohibited, it's not our way. He says, and after one hour of doing, convincing and convincing and doing and talking to him, he finally convinced them not to do abortion. He says, you respect my father, don't you? He says, this was my father. This is why my father believed that abortion is not permitted. He says, and Mr. Shemuel Tamir, I want to tell you something. He says, you know who that couple was that came to my father? You know who they were? They were your parents. He says, you know who that baby was that was supposed to be aborted? It was you. Shemuel Tamir says, what? What are you talking about? He says, yes. He says, my father, Rabbi Arya Levin, used to tell us the story all the time. How he saved you, and your parents were supposed to, you were supp- they wanted you to abort, and, you ended, and he ended up saving your life. He says, hold on, hold on, hold on. He says, hold on. I want to call up my mommy, and I want to ask and see if this story is true. He says, go ahead, call up your mommy. He picks up the phone right in front of Rabbi Levin, and he dials his mother. He says, hi, ma. Mashlamech, Manishma, how you doing? Back and forth chatting a little bit. Then he says, Ma, let me ask you something. Is this true? Is this true when I was, when you were pregnant with me, you wanted to abort and dad wanted you to abort me? Is this also true that you went to Rabbi Levin? And she's like, she's quiet on the phone. She says, Shmuli, who told you this? Where are you getting this information from? She's like, I have a rabbi. He says, I have a rabbi here in my house. The son of Rabbi Arya Levin, he's telling me the story. Ma, is this a true story? She says, 100%. And now she starts to excuse her husband. She says, but honey, you have to understand. Your father meant well. He wanted to study. He felt it was... He's like, Ma, okay, don't worry, don't worry. It's all good, don't worry, I'm fine. I just wanted to make sure it was a correct, true story. He hangs up the phone and he tells Rabbi Levin, he says, he says Rabbi Levin... As long as I am the minister of justice in Israel, this law of abortion will never ever take place. It'll never happen. They left the house or the office of the, of the minister of justice. Now they're outside. The whole delegation, they come around, they, they, they stand around Rabbi Levin, they said, Rabbi, you were unbelievable in there. You knew exactly what to say. It's, it's, you, you were great. I said, Rabbi, can I ask you a question? You know, you called us two days before the meeting, telling us all, I want you to pray, hot, I want you to fast, I want you to cry. What is all this about? You had the right card in your hand, you had the, you had the joke in your hand. It was, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. It was a sure win. What are you making us pray and cry for? For what? Rabbi Levin tells them, he says, my dear children, he says, in life, even if you have in, you have in your hand the right card, you have the most beautiful presentation ready to give over to your boy. You have the best samples you ever got in your life. Without prayer, you will not succeed. You need to have tefillah. 
you need to incorporate tefillah with everything that you have. And not only do you need to incorporate it in, but that has to come first. That's the primary ingredient in achieving anything in life. Is you must connect yourself to Borei Olam through prayer. And this is the lesson that we learn here. So if you want to know, if your four-year-old four year asks you, Dad, what was the reason we left Egypt? Is it because God answered our prayers? Or because the time simply came to leave? The answer is, Sonny, the answer is both. We needed both. You need prayer, and you need that, that thing, even though it's supposed to be coming to you. But you need to ask for it, you need to pray. And this is a lesson that we need to learn in life. That everything that we want, we need to pray for. You pray, and then you do your hishtadlut. And ba'azrat Hashem, Hashem will answer our prayers. Hashem will give us all what we need. Ba'kadosh Baruch Hu, Yemaleh, Mish'alot, Lebenu, Letovah, Ba'azrat Hashem. Have a wonderful night.